0: We're all SB Nation. Uh, it's all, it's all, it's all fun. We the all comments and stuff yeah, like just that. Don't, we also keep us same. out of
2: the playoffs. Just don't <laughs> keep us out of the playoffs again. We'll be
0: fine. <laughs> I know, I know. You guys have had a nice. Uh, <laughs> that, that, we 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 got you in that one game, but uh, every, basically every moment since then has uh, gone uh, <laughs> point to de- den- Denver side. You're listening to the Dig.
2: What is up, Nuggets fans? Welcome to the dig. I'm your host, Nick. I'm with Jeremy on this trade Wednesday. How you doing, Jeremy?
1: Um. Not better, but different. That's how I'm doing. <laughs> That's actually Just like the Nuggets. Right, exactly. Actually, um, please, everybody, if you haven't yet, check out uh Gordon Gross's article. Um, something about like, uh, thoughts on the trade after sleeping on it or something like that. Um, he really went into some great detail, pointed out some very like deep things that you wouldn't first kind of realize with this kind of a trade. But one of the things he pointed out was, uh, was one way of looking at this is maybe like, okay, so we're not better, but, uh, but different.
2: Yeah. It's, it's tough to say that right now the Nuggets are a better basketball team, They're probably not. They're probably a little bit worse, actually. But that doesn't necessarily mean the trade was a bad idea. Uh Um, You know, they were going to lose Beasley and Wancho anyways. They got something for those guys. I mean, essentially, they got a first-round pick for one of them, and they got three other interesting players for the other one, if you want to look at it that way. Yeah. Um, and, And, you know, they lost Vanderbilt as well, but he just was not getting into the rotation. So yeah there's a there's a mixed bag and i understand you know it seems like a lot of the you know general fandom is is sort of feeling anxious sort of down about the trade because it doesn't seem like the nuggets improved that they gave up they gave up some assets and didn't really improve you know but there's the possibility that we might see another trade here um i think we really need to wait to the end of the deadline and see how this all shakes out before we know exactly how to grade this trade but it you know, if it stands the way it is, I, I, I don't have an issue with it. Um, I think it's fine that they got some value for some guys that were going to leave.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, that's that's my for, right, right. Yeah, for me, how it breaks down if we're talking about is our team better or not, to me, if you flash forward two months or like two and a half months, um, to the playoffs. Our team is no—the team that we're fielding on that playoff court is no different whether we made this trade or not. It's the same nine guys that are still on our team that are the ones actually playing. The bench being Grant, um, Plumley, Monte Morris, and Michael Porter Jr., like just in our last podcast I was talking about that that was like the nine that I that I was talking about with like a sprinkling of Beasley is kind of how I saw it based on maybe some matchups or something like that but not in a yeah, sort see, of serious the, role that's my question is for all these people saying
2: oh we gave up shooting this team needs shooting and we gave up our best shooter when were you gonna play him right like
1: who, who, who are, are, are the nine playing guys him? playing what? who are the nine guys right. playing in the playoffs and that hasn't changed at all so while we move some pieces around, our playoff series is no different. I, I I think the people who are concerned with things like we lost shooting or something like that are the ones who don't really kind of, they just kind of think in more general terms and our team without Beasley going forward and our team without Wancho going forward, like something like that. But when you get into the reality of how all this manifests on the court, um, A, they weren't on our team next year. And B, they weren't on the floor for our team in the playoffs this season. So, you know, and see, they f- both
2: asked for a trade. is Is my understanding? I think it's been okay. reported in a few outlets now that, uh, more, more or less, it was we got to get minutes or, or we want to be traded. I don't, I don't know if those were. I don't know if it was like a demand. I don't think they had caused any locker room issues. But my understanding was, and I apologize for if that was a specific report from Mike Singer from a, a notable person. I'm not a, a media member. I'm not sure where I read that, but I've I picked that up along the way here somewhere recently that that there was some, like, like, pressure being put on the Nuggets to trade these guys if they weren't going to get time.
1: Yeah, and, and that's actually one one takeaway that I thought about when, as I sat back thinking about this a little bit more is one gain from this that's a pretty, like, uh, abstract gain is maybe some more credibility going to uh, Tim Connolly as far as the way players view him and as far as the way agents view him. Because... Wancho and Malik are about to <laughs> end up with all of the minutes that they can handle on the team with the Timberwolves. And they now have about 40 games or 35 games or so uh, to Make a lot of money for next year. You better believe that their agents, after this trade happened, are are booking flights to Las Vegas to go crazy. So, so for Tim Conley to kind of cut them loose and let them go make some money, I think is a huge deal. Um, and I also, since you brought it up, um, we're recording this now after um, the uh, the in- interview that you're uh, you as a listener are about to hear, um, and I brought up a podcast between Adam Mares, um, but I didn't mention Chris Axman, who was the guy who actually kind of dug up the, uh, the information that you'll hear about uh, Keita Bates-Diop. So uh, definitely jump in. I don't want to spoil anything any further and get to hear about some of our Yeah, new, you buried the uh, lead there a little bit.
2: But <laughs> we have a special guest coming up uh, here in a second who's jumping in for fill in the blank. We're going to be visited by a podcaster from another team. And he gives us some insight on uh, what we can expect from the the players the Nuggets have picked up and what to look forward to in the future. So that's coming up next. We're going to play fill in the blank.
0: Fill in the blank.
2: All right. We are joined by a special guest for fill in the blank today. His name is Neil Olstad. He is one of the co-hosts of Wolvescast on Canis Hoopus, which is our sister uh, SBN site for the Timberwolves. And Neil's here to talk to us or with us about this massive trade, the uh, largest in the last 20 years or something, I think I heard uh, today. So thanks Possibly a lot for coming bigger. on, Neil.
0: Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, some uh, division rivals here coming together to podcast together. We're all friends. <laughs> it's all good.
1: I think you actually just became every Nuggets fan's second favorite team in the entire NBA <laughs> since you have, like, a third of our team. <laughs>
2: That's right. Yeah. And – uh Oh man, I was going to say something mean like, "There's not a lot of competition there right now" or something, but I, I'll I'll cut that out. I that's, yeah, we that's uncalled in, for. It's totally
1: a, You guys suck somewhere.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, I mean uh, twelve twelve game losing streak for the Wolves as we record this. So yeah, there's really nothing much I can say at this point. You know what I mean? I guess got I just got to come on this podcast and take the beating. I, I'm good. actually
2: <laughs> genuinely surprised by the the Wolves' performance. This year, to be honest, I I had them like as a borderline playoff team this year, I I really did think, you know, I I think Kat was talking about this earlier in the season that people, they were going to surprise some people and I kind of bought into that, actually, like, what's been the what's what's really taken them off the rails this year?
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, you have to start with Towns missing an entire month, basically the entire month of December, you know, he was he was out. But, you know, but then, you know, so they went on their first 11 game losing streak uh, <laughs> during during that time. But now he's been back and they're still losing. So, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, it's real real simple. Basically, it's, you know, the team does not have enough uh, shooting around Carl Anthony Towns. I mean, when you have, uh, you know, center is your best player and your best shooter and all this stuff, you need to surround him with, the, you know, the right uh, shooters and the right sort of players players and and the mix is just not right at this point uh, and so yeah i think that's you know what we'll be talking about as part of this trade is you know the, they've kind of figured out that okay that first mix wasn't it and you know they really need to overhaul this and you know try and try and figure out you know a new plan forward here at least get, get a look at some other guys to see because yeah you you, you have the you have the carl anthony towns you have you know the premier player the the 1a right there already set but then to fi- now you got to figure out kind of the rest of those moves and and uh yeah new gm uh, gerson rosas is uh currently working through all that uh which we saw as uh in this trade so that's that's kind of a short version of why the wolves have been pre- pretty bad this year and uh yeah but i mean a lot a lot of you know even within this losing streak, there's been some fluky ones and they, they're not quite this bad but they're also not a playoff team and you know i think there was sort of you know a lot of fans obviously hoping for a eighth seed seven seed sort of season this year but there was always going to be a lot of variability and it was always kind of going to be maybe a you know anywhere between you know 30 and, and 45 wins type of type of season for the team so unfortunately it's uh it's going to be on the lower end of that
2: all right cool well let's jump into some of the details of the trade then and see maybe um where things stand right now, we, of course, things could change uh, moving forward. It seems like even this trade may not be totally done yet because I think it doesn't get finalized until tomorrow or like after, you know, when they submit it at the trade deadline or whatever. So I think there could still be a few more moving pieces here. But um, for what we know right now, let's discuss uh, what we're dealing with. So let's start with so fill in the blank, Neil. Blank won the trade.
0: OK, well, so do is this between any of the four yeah. teams or are we just talking wolves nuggets here? No, any, of the any of the four big, big, big yeah. four, four team deal, 12 players, allegedly the biggest since like 2000 or whatever. One of the biggest trades the NBA has ever seen. And like, yeah, as you said, still might not be done yet. <laughs> I think the Rockets might be trying to fold mm-hmm. in somebody else into this uh, potentially here to get another big on board. But well, the tallest player um, on know, the Rockets
2: right now is at what Robert is Robert Covington, <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. uh, six, eight with shoes on or something.
0: Yeah, totally. That's funny. Yeah, so so yeah, so if I if I can pick any of these four teams to to win the trade, I think I'll go with Houston. I mean, I, I do really like what they what they did here, as far as you know. Obviously, it's probably the best player, uh, either him, either Covington or, or Capella, are probably the best players in this in this deal overall. And I'll give it to Covington uh, just as far as being a mo- more of a modern NBA player. But um, you know, I, I just think that you know with them and, the, and their championship aspirations, and you know, kind of being able to to go up against. Uh, you you know, the Los Angeles teams and stuff like that. I think they really, uh, really did something important here, getting Robert Covington and a guy, you know, in Covington too. It's not just even about this season. Obviously they're in win now mode, but you know, he's under contract at, at a great number here for, for a few seasons going forward. I think two more seasons after this one. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a great move for Houston as far as a win now move, as far as being able to play the way they want to play. I think he's going to fit in great to their system. Um, you know, I don't know if he can necessarily guard LeBron, guard Kawhi in a, in a potential Western conference finals or something like that that might still be a weak point for them but um, wow they're going to be able to play the way they want to play now pj tucker at the five you know potentially going ultra small kind of even even more sort of like forward thinking you know reinvent the wheel type of stuff from the houston houston rockets so i think it just fits so well into what they're doing yeah you got to give up capella which is tough but you know i think they'll be able to fill in 80 percent of his productivity either with you know i don't know about jordan bell but um, you know maybe they'll probably get someone on the buyout market so i really like what houston did here but overall I, I guess i don't hate it from any of these teams i think it makes sense kind of for all four and i think that's sort of the most noteworthy thing in this deal is that four teams kind of like all could like kind of walk away from this kind of being like all right we got something done here today so i, I think that's super interesting when you have four teams uh who can all feel good about a deal like this when it's just so massive and so huge
2: yeah i mean i gotta be honest i a <laughs> little disappointed that we didn't get robert covington <laughs> jeremy and i yeah. have
0: been <laughs> sure uh pounding that like
2: the Trump rest of the while. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody in the West wanted him uh, and some Eastern Conference teams. He, he, I heard his name connected to all sorts of teams around the league. Um, who do you have winning
1: the trade, Jeremy? I mean, so, yeah, the first thought was it hurt that we didn't get Covington. So you want to go ahead and like give that to Houston just because they got the prize that we were after, or at least that I was after. And but the Houston thing doesn't make sense to me. I, like maybe I'm a complete <laughs> fool here, but like PJ Tucker is 30; he'll be 35 years old in the playoffs, and he's six five. Like, <laughs> and he's already yeah. been like grinded out this entire season um, on his defensive assignments. So, like, I don't get. We we were talking about dude. You um, just
2: described the ideal center. I don't know what the problem
1: is. <laughs> you know, we were talking about LeBron not lasting and how how he's been playing too hard for what are seemingly pointless games. Um it, like I, I don't know. I like I'm not buying it at all. Like it, it it's <laughs> there's all this credit going to uh to Maury for you know, like Neil said, reinventing the wheel. And it's it's so ridiculous. I like I think it's so wild that some of these people are like, oh, wow, something new. But to me, it's just like, you know, he cut off the, the top of a muffin and is selling that <laughs> to people saying he's a genius. I, I don't think – I think it's going to hurt him, honestly. Like, it really comes down to who who this possible – like, maybe another center that they're able to find to, to plug in does it. Because, like – actually, so they it's worth bringing to. it up.
2: They, we, I mean, they have nobody to guard Jokic. They have nobody right. to guard. Rudy Gobert. I mean, right. you can't and guard so, those guys with P.J. Tucker. This is not going to so, work.
1: And yeah, so national media is saying, like, oh, it's a genius because now they're going to have to – all the other teams are going to have to play to what Houston's doing. But I think the reality is Houston's not going to be able to keep up with what all the other teams are doing. And and so it's worth bringing up because we got their first round pick from uh, from Neil specifically. I think he phoned that one in for us. Oh, thank and you, Neil.
0: Appreciate that. You guys are welcome. Yeah, You're welcome.
1: You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> and, and there's a potential here. There's this huge drop off on both sides of the conferences. Um, Houston, if this doesn't work out, could potentially fall to to the point where we get we'd be 18th. Um, there is. Um, there's an eight-game difference between si- the sixth and seventh seed in the East, and there's a five-game difference between the seventh and eighth seed in the West. So, um, And they're not far from that. You know, They're kind of levitating there. A lot of teams are, but uh, it's going to be a slippery slope for them uh, to pot- potentially fall to that point. Um, so I didn't answer the question. My answer to the question <laughs> is that Atlanta won it. Um, I think John Collins has already proved that he's a top 30 player in the NBA. He's, he's been blowing my mind since he came back from his, um, is it, is it technically a drug? If is a drug masking agent, a drug. I mean, I think we can assume that he was masking something. Yeah. Um, but so, uh, he's just been insane and he's played really best at, as power forward and now throwing Clint in there, you know, I'm not sure if how well the two of them will match up, but, um, but the the numbers are there that that there's a lot to be optimistic about, and Clint is a is a great uh, bucket getter. Even though he's limited in his range, um, he's he's efficient, highly efficient at what he does do. And so so to me, I'm going to go with that. I'm calling it the Clint Capella trade of 2020, and <laughs> I'm giving it to Atlanta.
2: Yeah, I'm going to give it to Atlanta too. Um, although Neil, I am so I'm probably in the middle of the two of you somewhere. I think. Oh, you've got to think they're going to get somebody that has some kind of size before tomorrow. Um, just, just to, you know, if nothing else, just to have a warm body to to put in front of some of these like seven footers. But, uh, but running with this crazy small lineup is just something I'm I'm curious to see. I I don't know if it's going to work. I don't know if it's a good idea. But they I I I, I kind of give them credit for just trying it. <laughs> just just going all in it, on it. I think it's it, pretty right? high...
0: I think it's pretty high risk high reward yeah, you know right. what i mean i think like there yeah there is a world where this totally falls apart but yeah i think there's a lot of you know buzz that you know maury you know might not have much time left with the rockets and you know and you know this is kind of a push it all in and see if this works like type of situation and and uh yeah you're right they're they're going to be very um you know they're going to be very vulnerable to teams that have you know big big centers and unfortunately kind of the team for them that you know both la teams are, are substantially bigger this season and you You know, have some huge size to throw out there. So, I mean, yeah, it's a high-risk, high-reward thing. It'll be yet to be seen. But, yeah, I do think they'll get someone in the buyout market to to sort of shore up that center's position. But we'll see.
1: Isn't that another reason why, like, we shouldn't believe in it? As you painted it, Maury, it might be like a last-chance thing. Like, you don't want the guy who's, like, coming to you, I'm on my last chance here. Give me $1,000. I'm going to Vegas. It's going to work. Like, that's not the situation that you want to (laughs) be optimistic about and that is the situation as you painted that Maury's kind of in here and it's yet another reason why having a 35 year old 65 guy play 35 minutes in the playoffs at center to me just i i don't get it
2: yeah i mean i'll believe it when i see it that's but i'll give them i give them credit they're they're going all in on this absolutely bizarre roster construction they have i mean it was always going to be weird with with Westbrook and Harden anyway when they decided to go that route um, you might as well double down, see what you got with this this small lineup, and uh, and run with it. But I, I'm I am interested. I'm just glad Trey Young got some help. Uh, I'm a big Trey Young fan. I think Kidd's got a huge future um, if he can get the right the right players around him. I don't want to see him, you know, kind of become like an Iverson type or something who just sort of can never quite get the right the right team around him. You know, Iverson had his one run to the finals, but I he, I don't know. It just never seemed like the the Sixers ever figured out what to do with him exactly and I could see Trey Young kind of ending up in a similar situation and I'm hoping that this maybe is uh, a step in the right direction for them that um this kind of rim running uh you know lob threat can be a, a good guy to to pair with him on that team but yeah we'll see it's kind of a mixed bag for all the teams honestly I mean maybe so let's get more into the Nuggets Blank is the most likely new nugget to get 10 or more minutes per game, Jeremy.
1: So, I'm going to go with uh with Cade Bates-Diop. Um because uh, I, the way the question was phrased, we can't say no like none of them, which on our roster it's it's hard. Um but go through it, we have three guys to talk about here. Um Vonley would be behind if they're healthy, a Jokic, Millsap, Grant and Plumley and basically he's a swap for Vanderbilt and how many minutes was Vanderbilt getting like negative 5 and and then Shabazz is coming into a backcourt that's already well established and we got Jamal Murray back um and Monte Morris We have a bunch is, of bunch of point guards. Yeah, obviously our general of our bench. So uh so you got to go with a guy who is um, he's actually a guy that I was really interested in. I, I want to say Vonley and, uh, Keita Bates, D Bates Diop are two guys that I've always been fond of. Um, we actually had, um, the Denver Stiffs alum, uh, Adam Mares had a, a great podcast episode a few years back profiling Keita Bates Diop, um, his, uh, where they kind of really went into it, and this is a guy who definitely had the size. Um, just to kind of give you some um, some backstory here, so um, so the Ohio State coach, where where Kate Bates Diop played at, um, basically th- this is like their best coach in history, got fired because he wound up for some reason s- stopped playing Bates Diop. Um, completely forgot that he was like the best player on their team. And they went into a sinkhole and he got fired. So then the new coach comes in and plays him again and they go 20 and three and he wins player of the year in the big 10. And so this is a guy who's about six, eight, six, nine. He has um, a seven foot, three inch wingspan, Um, basically like the mold of um, OG Ananobi or Paul George are two guys who have been brought up. Um, and he had one of like the lowest body fat percentages of the entire class, and this is like a rather thick, thick guy. So it's all muscle. Um, he, the most impressive thing, he has a nine foot standing reach. So that's where it gets to be pretty important when you're talking about um, like how well you're challenging somebody else's shot. Like, can you get to the point where the ball is being released at? Uh, Because you could be tall, but if you have a short wingspan, a short uh, standing reach, you're not going to be able to actually attack that point of the ball. So some other people, uh, Nick, you and I have talked about who are are the hurdles, like the L.A. teams that we play in the playoffs. How do we overcome them? And the wings that we're talking about in particular, you've got um, LeBron. um, And these are based on the profiles of them coming out of college. But same thing with uh, Bates T up here, so I think it's still reasonably within the same the same uh, numbers. But LeBron eight foot ten inch standing reach, Kawhi eight foot ten inch standing reach, Paul George eight foot eleven inch standing reach, and then I'm going to throw this in there. Anthony Davis has a nine foot standing reach. or or, or had it coming out of college. So the same as Keita Bates-Diop, I think he's a guy who can go in and really challenge um, these guys potentially, depending on the lineup, um, where we might actually get some some good use out of him. So in my mind, I would say I think of him as like a combination of Robert Covington and Torrey Craig, something in the middle like a little bit less than Robert Covington, but still in that same kind of mold that you see in Tory Craig, uh, a fighter, uh, athletic, defensive-minded, scrappy, um... And so actually, I mean, so Neil, now I'm curious, this is the Cato Bates D up the last time that I checked in on him and this was two years ago. So maybe you could go in a little bit and kind of let us know a little bit more about him and whether he matches up to that profile, um, how it's actually, you know, unfolded on the court, whether it's been useful or not.
0: Yeah, well, you know, KBD, you know, you that's the thing. You see here's the nickname KBD. That's uh, you know, he's got a long name, three names, so wolves fans uh just been shortened to KBD, so okay. yeah, uh, Nuggets no, yeah. Nuggets fans out there, we'll can pick go up ahead on and that. take that Sweet. and run with it. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, a little KBD rolls off the tongue there, but It'll uh, be yeah, kind of easier to that... remember
2: for people in Denver. It's pretty close to CBD. <laughs> CBD, yeah, <Hey>. yeah,
0: <laughs> very nice. No, we actually, uh, I, I will send you. Uh, I'll try to send you. So on our podcast, uh, Wolves Cast, uh, every Friday on Canis Hoopus, we uh, we do a uh, you know a, a sponsor that may or may not be real uh, with our podcast <laughs> every week, and uh, yeah, one one week our, we were sponsored by. KBD, CBD, um, his uh, his new uh, product out there. So you know, we'll, I'll send that over to you. Maybe you <laughs> listening on that. But yeah, KBD is someone that Wolves fans have, uh, you know, kind of watched from afar, watched with uh, you know ho- hopeful eyes, I guess. Over the last few years, he's been down in Iowa playing for the Iowa Wolves uh, a lot of time, um, especially the last two years. But this season has been up with the big club uh, for most of the year due to the injury. Uh, Jake Lehman who the Wolves signed uh, last summer, um, has been out like the entire season with a turf toe situation. So KBD has really kind of been taking his minutes coming up, and Wolves have had a number of injuries and stuff too. So, you know, Bates Diop has really had a lot of opportunity this year, more opportunity than anyone kind of would have thought preseason to kind of get in here and play. And the results have been great. You know, he's someone he's the person in this trade that I think most Wolves fans are broken up about losing because he's been so promising this year, especially as a young guy, cost-controlled, all that kind of stuff. You know, it's it's really a really great uh, asset right there and and uh yeah basically he's been the wolves you know by, by percentage he's things have dropped off a little bit from three but for most of the season he behind towns he was the second best three-point shooter um you know you can just spot up in the corner and really consistently knock him down you know he's down to 33 percent on the season i think from three at this point well that's um, better than our guards our
2: starting guards at the moment so
0: <laughs> <laughs> we'll take it yeah yeah so he's a willing shooter basically from the corners that's kind of his main spot he will take some above the break threes as well also really good at attacking a closeout you know so that you know those two things go hand in hand if they got to respect you from three they're going to be racing out to you out there and he's he he's so long you mentioned the wingspan you know he's so long they can get his hips past you um and you can reach those arms out and kind of one two into the paint and you know hopefully really really nice finisher as well if he can get into the paint uh he's he's really good at finishing so um you know i think he's just solid all around you know he's 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 probably not he's not a starter probably on any NBA team but he's someone who can come in and you know really play the three or the four or any wing position and you know credibly guard bigger guys you know he's pretty like you say he's a pretty thick dude um you know got those long arms so he can you know disrupt uh disrupt you uh there on the defensive end with those um you know and like I said reliable to knock down the shots and so basically on both ends of the ball you know he's someone who's going to be solid and is at least not going to hurt you you know he might not be a playmaker but he's you know he's someone who's just going to be out there and gonna be solid and And then I guess the big question though is is um, sort of where he goes from here. The main downside to KBD is he's already 24 years old. Um, You know, so he did stay at Ohio State a number of years and kind of wasn't one of these one and done guys. So you wonder how much more there is for him to grow. Um, But on the other hand, you know he's pretty good where he is right now. So even if like this is as good as he's going to get, he's a serviceable you know off the bench you know soak up some minutes and and not hurt you kind of guy who can knock down shots and credibly defend you know wing players and some fours and stuff too so you know i think there's a lot there to like as it is um and i think for where the nuggets are especially right now they need uh you know as you know being up there being being contender trying to advance in the playoffs trying to make the western conference finals and beyond you know you need guys who who are kind of more finished products rather than than projects i guess who are getting minutes for you um so yeah that's kind of what you can expect from from kata and uh as far as who's going to you know get the most minutes or um you know the the player the most uh, the the most likely new nugget to get uh, ten or more minutes per game. It uh, I guess I don't know your sort of rotation situation quite yeah, sure. well enough. But you know I think it's either it's between Kata and, and Napier. I mean Napier has been our starting point guard since we traded Jeff Teague. Probably should have been the starting point guard all year. It's kind of going to be a crazy drop for him oh, wow. to be starting on an NBA team and then probably be the third string point guard um, in Denver. Um, that just you know I think that's great for you guys. That's a that's an embarrassment of riches of the point guard position. I mean, Shabazz has been so solid, again, kind of in the same way as Katie. He's not necessarily making the star plays and not necessarily, you know, lighting things up. He's just been so solid and doesn't make that many mistakes and can knock down an open three. And, you know, it's kind of, you know, stirring the pot uh, correctly and stuff. So uh, I really like Napier as well. I don't know. Again, it's, it's sort of a, I'm not sure if, uh, you know, how, how the point guard, t- uh, you know, situation will shake out for, for Denver um, going forward here. But, you know, I, I really, I really, you know, it's obviously it's Murray, but then, um, you know, I, I, don't know if, you know, if Monty and Shabazz will kind of, you know, trade off or the matchup dependent or, or what it might be, but I think it'll probably be you know between Monty and, and Shabazz, you know, kind of fighting it out for that backup position.
2: Yeah. And honestly, we have a, we have a, a fourth option, uh, PJ Dozier who's been playing okay. great uh, since he, he was a, an all-star in the G league this year, to- absolutely torched the G league. Uh, they brought him up a few weeks ago and he's gotten some playing time and has looked great. He's a six, six point guard uh, kind of in the, in the SGA mold. Um, And we've been pretty excited about him too. And to the point that I was saying, even before this trade that I thought Monty was maybe expendable in a trade now, because we could maybe go with PJ as the backup so to to have four point guards, um, I think this, this depth at point guard is one of the reasons that a lot of people last night, including me, as soon as we saw the details of this trade, assume the Nuggets have another move that they're going to be making here. Because you just have too much talent stacked at a couple of these positions now that you're never going to be able to use. And it, it, w- hearing what you're saying now about Napier, which I, I honestly didn't – I didn't know much about him. Um, but the more I've looked into him, the more he seems like exactly what you're saying—a really solid uh, point guard, a you know professional point guard in this league. Uh, makes me think they're going to have to move him or or Monty or something. Um, it, it just doesn't make sense to have these guys rotting on the on the bench. So curious yeah, I, to I'm, see. I,
1: I I've been trying to figure that out too, like the the place for him. Um, I, I I think you never want to assume completely that there's another trade coming. Um, because you never know what happens on like the final minute, and so just trying to figure out if this is where it closes, if this is our roster going into the playoffs, like how does it fit? And I started thinking like maybe I I know he's got some um, some shooting game, like like maybe he could come on as the two, but but he's you know six one I think, uh, small guy. I was almost thinking that uh, um, Dozier w- would. It'd be more likely to come on at the two, um, and then I started thinking, well, okay, if we do roll with this idea that maybe we are going to uh, make another trade here, um, I, I like I almost just feel like maybe, maybe Napier was just thrown in. It was one more thing that Tim Connolly wanted to get to kind of add a little more value to the trade. That maybe there isn't some grand scheme. Behind any yeah. of this, and it was just one more guy where he was like, "That's value. I'm gonna grab it." And honestly, you know, he this is the last year of his contract, so like you mentioned, maybe if he is just thrown up on the bench and and sits there, it, it'll only be for a few months, and then and then. And then his contracts over, so, so I'm not so sure that there's all sorts of different directions this plays in, and it's honestly really kind of hard and a shame that there to me there doesn't seem to be much room for him to be gaining minutes on this team.
2: Yeah, I mean I agree. I now that a follow up move hasn't been made right away, and we're hearing that like there was no like planned follow up for Drew Holiday. It might be somebody somebody that the Nuggets are still after. But this wasn't part of a like orchestrated series of moves like in particular to make that happen. I am starting to agree with you, Jeremy, that I think I think Connolly just kind of brought in as much talent as he could f- and his and, and, and a pick um for two guys who we were gonna lose anyways in the offseason, essentially. And he just got, what do you guys got think whatever he could. I
0: it. So I was I was wondering as far as you know KBD and Bates Diop's position here. Uh, you know what's the what's the situation with Tory Craig? I, I See, he's expiring after this year. I feel like KBD, him and Craig might be compared. That kind of might be the the sort of competition this year anyway, for minutes or whatever. And I think with with KBD, I think you I think he has another year of um, of team control um, until up, he's yeah. a rest- until he's a free a restricted free agent next year. So I think that kind of is is maybe, you know, a, a notch in his column over Craig. But I don't know if you guys have – and, you know, they're not the, quite the same position. I think Tory's more of a 2-3, and I, th- I see Kate as more of a 3-4. Yeah. But I think that might kind of be the uh, – because obviously Michael Porter is part of the future and and someone that's going to get minutes and is going to be, you know, kind of a reason you can, you know, move on from Hernan Gomez and stuff like that. So, I, I, you know, I think he's pretty solidly in there. But I think kind of the comparison for the rest of the year for for Coach Malone and for, for Nuggets fans are Craig versus KB here and sort of like who's the, the guy in that position kind of going forward as a wing off the bench?
1: I'm really seeing Craig being bumped down. So Beasley's the big minute loser who, who we're losing. Even last month where um, Michael Bore Jr. has really moved in and uh, Malone's been looking to throw minutes at him from any possible place that he can. Um, and some of those even in some ways wound up coming from Beasley. Um, so even last month he was still averaging 17 to 18 minutes a game. Um, I, I think that's where where Craig's gonna settle in at and, and I think that's good for him because honestly, most of the time when he is playing small forward, um, size is a bit of an issue. He's still able to be like, you know, the gnat in the face of some of these people and it can be effective. But I think um I think his his game is best at the shooting guard position. Um, so so I, yeah, I I think he's proven
2: I, to be a really effective Defender um, of other guards in the West, particularly. I mean, he's played really well against Luca. Um, he did great. He's, he's he's He plays great against Damian Lillard, for example. So that's kind of his role on the team. He's sort of a
1: favorite of the coach, just as a sort of stopper. And so it, when you look at our team healthy, it, it, our bench has <laughs> completely changed their identity. It's very interesting now. So starting from the center, we'd have Plumlee, Vonley, um, well, okay. Um, Michael Porter Jr., which actually gets really, really interesting. He's now the focal point of that bench. Um, but then Torrey Craig at shooting guard and Monte Morris at point. That's a very defensive-minded bench, like way different than it was before. And and so I'm really kind of excited to see it play out like that. But actually, so now Vonley he is just a guy just kind of on the radar, going back to when he was a Nick, actually. Uh, Knickerbocker. And he he did a really good job guarding uh, some some big guys. And he kind of would throw out a three every once in a while and shock some people. Um, Did it sounds like he hasn't done much with you guys, Neil? Could you go into that a little bit more?
0: Yeah. I mean, I I guess I want to stop short of saying he's been a disappointment this year because it's really kind of just been about opportunity. He really, really hasn't gotten too much of an opportunity to even play at all. He did a little bit in the season, but you know, the Wolves have really gone small this year, basically Towns and Gorgie as the fives. And then Covington was the starting four. And then you sometimes it'd be Vonley, but usually not usually been yeah, going with Kada at that position or, or, you know, some somebody else there. So, you know, Vonley has been there for spot minutes to his credit. He's been a good soldier, you know, he doesn't complained and all that stuff. Uh, uh, you know, so you know, I think he's he's trying to get back out there. Uh, word is the Wolves offered him a two year deal uh, this summer, but he turned it down and just take a take a one year you want to get back out this summer um so you know i think he's kind of trying to re- jumpstart his career um he's great energy guy great rebounds and you know you know setting screens and rolling and you know doing you know just doing kind of undersized big man stuff out there um as uh, the biggest disappointment really is, is and then maybe this was unfair uh, from my uh preseason expectations is he as, as a shooter he it's just not there i mean he's basically the only guy on the wolves i didn't want shooting from three. It just looks right. bad. It takes a long time to get off. I don't think he maybe hit, <laughs> he may, I don't know, I would guess his, his he's maybe like two of 15 or something like that from three this season for the Wolves. Again, very little opportunity. Maybe if he gets normal minutes, he can get, get in a roll and, 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 and start doing that. But I kind of see Von Le as probably the least likely, I don't know, again, maybe they're, maybe they're cutting Shabazz or something like that since you guys have so many point guards. But, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what Von Le, he's just not a very modern NBA player at this point. And, you know, he, he's probably like an undersized five like type of guy or something like that and if he can't shoot threes what is he really so i don't know in, in my opinion you guys would be way better off playing michael porter jr you know uh, you know as a 610 guy at the four rather than him especially with what porter jr represents for your future a little bit more but you know maybe there's certain uh you know lineups or certain oppositions where you want to have Vonley out there you just need your hey the other guys aren't getting it done you're going to put in this guy again who's a pro told pro is going to go out there and you know hustle hustle his butt off for you know 10 minutes real quick and and and, and stuff like that. That. So, you know, he's, he's not without value, but I just don't really see in Denver necessarily where the fit is when you already have Porter Jr., who's a huge part of your future, and Vonley's just not really a modern player. But we'll we'll see. Maybe uh, Malone and, and company will, will find a way to get the most out of uh, Noah Vonley in Denver. I'll tell you right yeah, now, we need like... him.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you need him? <laughs> yeah, we, we did, are injured. We, have, uh, we need him.
0: We have seven
2: healthy players for tonight's game. Well, and I'm using the word healthy pretty loosely. We have a uh, Seven bodies that can play tonight against the Jazz. So wow, um, yeah. Any any big man. In fact, it wouldn't surprise me if Vonley was thrown in into this deal just because the you know the Wolves were willing to dump him and the Nuggets could use a little bit of depth for the next couple of weeks. I mean, it really could be as kind of short term. Yeah, thinking is totally. that I think. Because, it, yeah, it does sound like there's not going to be a real fit for him here unless there's something going on with Paul Millsap that's worse than has been reported. Like our understanding has been for a while now that Millsap's fine, more or less, that he, they're just being really careful with him and they're really making sure that he's going to be 100% for the playoffs. Um, if that's not the case, then, you know, maybe there's some depth here to help at the four. But
1: I, I think that's unlikely. I think this
2: is probably just kind of a, a throw in piece. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and I said um, I said when healthy that he had a role, and I actually meant right now he has a role. Like when the team's healthy, Grant obviously is is the four. He actually is leading our team in in six man minutes, and actually has even more minutes than Paul Millsap. Um, so, uh, and that was before the injury happened. But um, Paul Millsap's going to be out for for a substantial amount of time longer. We know, and uh, Jeremy Grant, that ankle tweak looked really bad. So there might be minutes for Vonley, like even in the 20s, who knows, uh, right out the gates. All right, Uh, Nick, Blank is the best addition for the Wolves. All right.
2: So, Neil, we are very sad here, Nuggets Nation, to see Malik Beasley and Juancho Hernan Gomez leave us. We all were really hoping. In fact, I picked Malik Beasley, I believe, to be a potential Sixth Man of the Year candidate at the beginning of the season. Wow. Um, I really thought he was going to be like their main guy off the bench who was going to have a big role on this team. Um, He was huge for for us in the playoffs last year. He's a great shooter. Um, He's a 40% or above potentially even three-point shooter. He's a 90% free throw shooter. Uh, He's a slasher. Um, and he is kind of that, like you're, you're kind of going to get at the rim stuff or three point shots from him. He's not a great defender, but he plays with effort. So I think that could come around. Um, and he just, he's, he, he has, there's a, there's a, there's a competitiveness to him and a drive to him that I think is going to make him a really good player for a long time in this league. So he was really tough, uh, to, to to give up. I think we all kind of saw it coming. My understanding is that he had actually asked for a trade uh, fairly recently because he just wasn't getting the time and he's going into a contract uh, off season this year. He's a restricted free agent this year. Um, And, you know he wasn't getting the chance to show what he could what he could do to try to you know up his contract number the nuggets weren't going to be able to pay him what other teams were going to offer so it, it the sort of writing was on the wall after he turned down the nuggets um, extension offer in the offseason, we pretty much knew that this was a likely scenario but on a team the, the nuggets really you know have have an issue with shooting and it's been a continual theme on this podcast all year basically is us discussing you know, if this team has enough shooting, where they're going to get shooting from, who, what the lineup should be uh, to try to maximize the shooting that they do have. And so to trade away one of our best shooters on the team, at least statistically, um, is a tough pill to swallow. But I, I think he's going to be a great addition for the Wolves. I mean, I think you are getting you're a team that shoots a lot of threes and you're getting a really good knockdown three point shooter.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would even say I would add to that. um, it was even before the playoffs where like Malik, his coming out party was when Gary Harris got injured in December of that season. And so the knock that you'll hear on, on Beasley is that his brain sometimes turns off and that's a huge problem on defense. Um, there's just sometimes he'll just blow the, the most random assignments or he'll, he'll just completely the most obvious, um, you know, drive to the hoop that's coming with a, a right hand and on every sky port in the world, he'll, he won't guard the right way. Um, just things like that, that kind of aggregate to the point where he gets frustrating to have in. But I thought it was interesting. So I had gone back and actually compared his best 10-game stretch um, to Gary Harris's best 10-game stretch of uh, the previous season. And, um, and it's interesting. Beasley... Actually, the, the numbers, like the, uh, the defensive rating of the lineups that he's in are actually comparable to to that of Gary Harris's. When Harris was playing at his best, Beasley was matching him on the defensive side, sometimes even beating him. So it's going to be one of these things, I think, that you need to pay attention to where I think it's going to look bad on the surface. Um they're almost like like a blown defensive assignment is one of the most you know um, uh, like gut wrenching things to see. It's it's the most obvious. It always looks really bad and it stands out. But I would just kind of cool my heels as you watch him play and let let some time take place. Let the numbers start to accrue and then go ahead and dive in and see what's really working and what isn't for him as a defender. And I wouldn't be surprised if. Overall, he's actually not necessarily like a negative. Um, and, and I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I, I, I think you guys are going to have a very interesting offseason here with Wancho and uh, Beasley um, being up for new contracts. So um, I wish you guys the best. I, so my answer, I guess, um, my blank, fill in the blank, I'm going to go with Vanderbilt because I, <laughs> I love him. I love you him. I, I thought Dude, you, was, are, you are the president
2: of the Vanderbilt fan club in this
1: <laughs> in I this thought fandom. He, that he was our future at Power Forward. Honestly, I thought he was gonna be Paul Millsap's replacement. He he brings so much um of everything else. So, you know, you mentioned with Vonley that in the modern NBA, uh, there just isn't the the role uh for a guy like that. And that was the knock on Vanderbilt. He's a guy who doesn't have a three-point shot. But he's, he might be, like, the best rebounder in the NBA. Um, he, he's also a great defender. Um, sometimes he might miss an assignment, too. But when you'd never play with your team like he never did, I think that's to be um, understandable. But then when you just see him match up man-to-man against some of the best players in the league, he holds his weight really, really well. And his ability to play make was incredible. It was this preseason when he was finally really getting some time. Him and Michael Porter Jr. were playing together. And it was like, it's been interesting because Michael Porter Jr. really had to earn his reputation even amongst his peers. Like they weren't distributing the ball to him when he started finally getting some minutes. He had to really work hard to earn it. But when he was in earlier with Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt was always looking for him. They're buddies. And Vanderbilt's passing is legit. You're, he might be your second best ball handler going forward so he just he opens up so much gameplay at a position that to me you know if you if you're able to have four other shooters if your small forward can hit the three if your shooting guard can shoot if your point guard can hit the three and in your case you have a center one of the best centers of hitting threes like why do you need a power forward who's hitting threes and when he's down there to um either do do some putbacks or to go after those rebounds and then make an incredible assist to an open guy either driving to the hoop or open for a three like I think that's huge and just like Keita Bates-Diop is the one guy we got from you who we have control over for another year Vanderbilt is really your guy the only guy that you know for sure that you have and so I'm really looking forward to seeing him get the opportunity to carve out a role on your team.
0: Yeah, lots of uh, yeah, lots of new guys to watch, and yeah, this is it's kind of interesting because it, it definitely illustrates the the big differences in these two teams and where they're at right now. You know, with the with the Nuggets, you know, attempting to to be in that contender status, you know, ha- you know some of these younger guys, some of these project guys and stuff, you know, whether it be for financial reasons or for playing time reasons or whatever, like sometimes you gotta get rid of that. You know, you can't have them on the team, and it's like hard as like a yeah, you know, your team you look into the future and all that stuff. It's like oh no what, you know, he was growing he was he, we were watching him kind of get better and stuff and and so but that's just interesting of like where Denver is right now is like you know someone like Beasley or, or Hernan is upcoming free agent restricted free agents is just kind of got squeezed out because Denver's in a different place in their trajectory as a team right now so it's like there just wasn't space for them whether it be again financial or playing time reasons but yeah I mean I hear you both on Beasley it's kind of the big hope for the Wolves in this trade you know they did get the you know the Brooklyn's 2020 pick first-round pick, um, uh, which will almost assuredly convey um, this summer. Um, it, it conveys if the Nets make the playoffs, and it looks like they're pretty safe locked to be in the playoffs, so it should be a nice, tasty, just outside the lottery kind of pick for the Wolves. So, you know, that's always nice, and we'll see if that gets rerouted or whatever, but, you know, Beasley is sort of the the hope in this trade, is like hopefully picking up an asset that fits well around towns. Right now, that's that's the name of the game, find players who fit around towns. And, you know, hopefully Beasley, When and as I mentioned earlier, the Wolves you know, desperately need uh, guys who can just be dead bang knockdown shooters. And uh, from what I understand, and from what I've seen, a little bit of Beasley—that's that's the part of the game that's locked in, right? That's that's the for sure part of his game. You know, the defense and some of the other things are what you're hoping to have grow, and some of the decision making things are what you're hoping to develop here. But you know, for for the Wolves, they need shooting in the worst way. I mean, every team wants a little bit more shooting, right? But for the Wolves, they really need it. You know, they, they this year they've uh, they've finally joined the modern NBA, and they've been top five in attempted three-pointers all year long sometimes as high as like three or two in attempts but they've been the bottom five in in a made in made threes all That's season long too so you, it's been rough it's been rough to watch so hopefully Beasley's a guy and Hernan Gomez to a lesser degree can step in and and you know knock down some of those shots for Wolves I'm glad to hear that you know Beasley is, is the player who you know hopefully we'll, we'll do the most for the wolves here best addition for the wolves because they need his skill set really really badly and the question becomes is can you resign him can it because it'd be really tough if you you know made these trades and then all of a sudden both both Hernan Gomez and Beasley walk in, in restricted free agency so you know we'll see it's it's kind of a little too early to kind of read the market at this point as far as what the summer is going to be obviously it's a weaker free agent class and not many teams have have cap space to sign guys like Beasley or whatever especially when you have to get them on a restricted agency you know we know we know how hard it is to you know get that offer sheet in there and sometimes you have to wait you know to do that type of thing so the timing and all that can be hard so hopefully uh the wolves can uh you know retain him at a decent number i believe he turned down the three-year 30 million uh, deal from, right. from denver uh reported so you know uh, obviously he's looking for more than that but you know hopefully not too much more than that maybe we can get him for you know 11 12 13 in that kind of range over the course of a couple of years or maybe around that 10 number i, I don't really know it's it's again judge the market is kind of a interesting idea right now. But yeah, for the Wolves, Beasley is 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 hopefully the guy that can stick and hopefully someone who can you know be a long-term um you know player player on this team going forward around towns.
1: I think he's gonna kill it for you guys. It, that guy with a, a completely wide open highway to minutes is gonna kill it for you and I think he's gonna be at 17, 18 Like I honestly, like I think the Hawks might be swooping in in off season for him. I think it's going to be a rough, rough. I I wish you the best um, with somehow making it work. But I really think that guy is going to light it up the second half of the season for you.
2: Yeah, I'm thinking about like, like Barton got what about 16 million, something 15, 16 million in his deal. And he was kind of a sixth man who took off for the Nuggets and. Was a real important kind of glue guy for them, and they signed him to to that kind of a deal. It was like sixteen million for four years or something like that. I wouldn't be surprised to see Beasley get a number like that this summer.
1: And while yeah, while Beasley might be that guy, the most important phrase for you to learn at this point is Wancho three, (laughs) Gotcho three. Just remember that
0: Uh, (laughs) Wancho three, Gotcho three. Yes.
1: It's the most important phrase. Like, honestly, like, so you got good players, but you got fun players. You got incredible personalities that you will love to get around. Like, that's going to be one of the hardest things for Nuggets fans here is that, sure, these guys weren't really getting minutes and everything, but we loved these guys. We've been through so much with them, and they've been so great all along. Just, I really hope you wind up at one of Wancho's pool parties, you know, in the hot tub (laughs) with all his European ladies. Um, because these guys are great.
0: <laughs> wow. And I'm learning the, learning the nicknames and stuff, yeah. too. Uh, B- B- Beastly, Beastly, right? Yep. For, for yep. Beastly. Beastly. Uh, you know, and then Wancho. I mean, yep. his name's Juan Herman, Juan Hernan Gomez. So Wancho is technically a nickname, right?
1: Right. It is technically a nickname, yeah.
0: And then what about Vanderbilt? Does Vandy. Vanderbilt have a nickname? At all? Vandy. Vandy, Vandy. Uh, Vandy just or like the team Just yeah. like the team name. Vandal. (laughs) Vando, yeah, Vando. Oh, Vando, yeah, Yeah, Vando. Nice, Uh, yeah, that's exciting. I I know very little about Jared Vanderbilt, so you know, I'm I'm very excited. Yeah, I've heard, I've really just heard about the rebounding. Really, is sort of like his premium skill. But I wonder, you know, now the Wolves clearly in sort of like, you know, looking at the young guys kind of mode in this part of the season, you know, the playoffs are are not in the picture. And so, yeah, they're t- traded off basically a lot of their vets. And now they kind of are in this, you know, pivoting into a mode where you're kind of trying to gather data on some of these young guys. And they have a bunch of young guys of their own and G League dudes and stuff like that. So I believe... You know, hopefully Vanderbilt will be up with the big team and, and be able to get those minutes and be able to see what, what he's about. He's only twenty years old. It's crazy. So, you know, um, you know. So I'm, I'm excited, to, even though I don't know very much about him as well. I'm, I'm glad to hear you guys are sort of excitement I, about sort of his his potential, despite the lack of a three point shot.
1: I, I think he's the real diamond in the rough, like more than Aladdin. Like that movie got it wrong. <laughs> if you want somebody to go in the cave of wonders and grab the genie, the the genie lamp, and not touch anything, it's it's Vanderbilt. Wow. Adam failed at that. It's Vanderbilt. Diamond in the rough. Really, the guy's incredible. I can't wait. I'm gonna watch so many <laughs> Timberwolves games uh, <laughs> between the end of the season and next season. And hopefully, somehow, we get him back. That's that's the way I'm writing this script. Is that he ends up back with us at some point? But. But, man, you just got so many – I'm telling you, Nuggets fans just became Timberwolves fans. Like, we want to watch these guys, and I think you're going to be getting a lot of Denver people watching Timberwolves games.
0: Yeah, that's the fun part about trades like this, though, is kind of, it allows you to kind of look at another team in a different way and maybe watch them a little bit more and, you know, kind of do what we're doing here is sort of like, you know, either, either talking to other fans from other teams or just sort of like thinking about it in that way. It's interesting to see like a player that you know so well, and then they go to a different system, a different team, different situation, and you kind of get a little bit more of like a different look at what they can do because they're, you know, maybe their role is totally different. So it's kind of exciting too, especially for these young guys who maybe are like underneath, like, especially in these Denver players who've been underneath, these more established uh guys you know be, like you're saying who'll be able to get have have a you know long run, run runway or be able to have all the minutes they can eat you know type of situation it's just like kind of cool because you've seen them in one way now you get to see you know beasley as a starter or whatever it is you know that kind of thing so uh that's that's the fun part about this and that's kind of you know why we're chatting today it's it's been, it's been really cool
2: yeah neil thank you so much for being on man we really appreciate it do you have anything you want to plug
0: well uh you know if you ever wanted a little bit of wolves uh wolf fix uh come over to wolves cast uh, uh at wolves cast on twitter you can follow us there and yeah especially this this episode we'll be uh, you know talking all about this trade you know from our side of things as well so you know have a have have a peek at that and it's all it's all love sb nation uh you know canis Hoopus, uh denver stiffs it's all it's uh you know we're all on the same team in that way we're on different teams on our divisions uh in their division the northwest division stuff but hey we're all sb nation uh it's all it's all it's all fun. We Good all comments and stuff yeah, like just that. Don't, we just don't also keep us same. out of
2: the playoffs. Just don't keep us out of the playoffs again. We'll be
0: fine. <laughs> I know. I know you guys have had a nice. Uh, <laughs> that, that, we, we, we got you in that one game, but uh, every, basically every moment since then has uh, gone uh, point to De- Den- Denver side. But uh, we'll be
2: back. Fair enough. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Neil.
0: Thanks so much, guys.
2: Sweet. Thanks again to Neil for coming on. That was great. Uh, Make sure you all tune into his podcast on Friday. I'm sure he'll be talking a lot more about uh, Beasley and Wancho. Uh, They're excited about those guys, and I know that a lot of Nuggets fans And Vanderbilt,
1: for
0: crying out loud. And Vanderbilt.
2: I'm sorry. I do keep forgetting him. He's going to be the only player on their team next season (laughs) from this trade, so. All right. Well, we might have more to talk about. Um, We'll be back with you, maybe with an emergency podcast, if the Nuggets trade for Drew Holiday. Until then. You can follow me on Twitter at Nick Hertzog SBN at Jeremy Poley. Peace.